Hello and how are you? This is Alice coming to you from Total Health Academy. And today we actually have a very interesting disease that we're going to talk about. The disease in question is Clone's disease. So Clone's disease is a type of um, inflammatory bowel disease. Uh, we do have inflammatory bowel syndromes, but this one is a disease. So IBD is the short name for it, inflammatory bowel disease. It causes uh, swelling of the tissue in the digestive tract, causing pain, severe diarrhea, fatigue, weight loss, and malnutrition. Inflammation caused by Clone's disease can involve like different areas of the digestive tract uh, in different people. So the symptoms are always, they always vary from person to person. So uh, two people can have this disease, but their symptoms can be actually different. So some people get severe disease, other people get mild disease. But for most part, the small intestine is affected in most people. But with other people, it can actually affect the small intestine and the large intestine. That will be the small intestine and the colon also. So inflammation can also spread to the deep layers of the, of the bowel, causing a lot of pain and debilitation. So debilitation just means that the person gets very, very sick and weak. And to a point that it can actually be a life-threatening disease you know when it's severe so it is nothing to play with um clones disease um can affect like i said the large intestine or the small intestine so and it can also affect like segments of the large intestine and the small intestine but with other people it can actually be a continuous uh, inflammation of the whole digestive tract. And this is where it causes problem because if somebody has like continuous inflammation, it will be difficult for them to eat. And it can cause a lot of pain and they will have to be in the hospital, probably being fed intravenously. Um, yeah, so it, it is a serious, serious disease. So with some people... Signs and symptoms of this disease can range from mild, but some other people can have like severe disease. Um, sometimes uh, the disease goes into remission, so they don't have symptoms at all, but it does have flare ups, and so you never know when it's going to show up. With some people, the symptoms can come on gradually, but with other people, they can come all of a sudden and without warning. So it, this disease is all over the place. Um, when people have active symptoms, they can have diarrhea, fever, fatigue, abdominal pain or abdominal cramping, blood in their stools, and sometimes they even have sores in their mouth. Now that you would think that this disease will just affect the colon and the small intestine. But when it is severe, it can actually cause sores in the mouth. So that makes it life very, very difficult for the person who is affected. Uh, they can also have reduced appetite, and that will cause weight loss. 
including the pain and then malnutrition because if they're not able to eat um, and they're having trouble absorbing the nutrients that they eat because their digestive tract is inflamed, it can cause a lot of problems. So they can have vitamin deficiency and all kinds of problems. So when the disease is severe, the symptoms can actually um, go even beyond the digestive tract. So symptoms like inflammation of the skin, inflammation of the eyes, inflammation of the joints, inflammation of the liver, and the bile duct. You know, so we are talking about the gallbladder here. You know, if the bio, bio duct is affected, um, they can have gallbladder stones. Uh, the liver can be, can be inflamed. They can have kidney stones. They can have iron deficiency anemia. They can have delayed growth and delayed sexual development in children. So we're talking about um, serious, serious disease here. So when do you see the doctor? I would say you need to get evaluated if you're having any kind of abdominal pain, because that, that goes without question. When you're having abdominal pain for whatever reason, that needs to be evaluated. So never ever take it for granted. But if you're having stool in your blood, I mean, blood in your stool, stool in your blood. Wow. Blood in your stool, uh, when you go to the bathroom, number two, and you see blood in your stool, that is a red flag. You need to see the doctor like immediately because you never know what's causing it. If you're having nausea and vomiting, um, always check with the doctor, especially if it's happening like more than once, uh, always go see the doctor. If you're having diarrhea that's lasting more than two weeks, that is a concern. If you have unexplained weight loss, that is a concern. Fever, in addition to all the symptoms that we have talked about, go see the doctor. Uh, risk factors for Crohn's disease, there are many. Some of them I kind of agree with, uh, but some I do not. So one of the risk factors, according to medical science, is age. And I don't know why they put age as a risk factor. Um, but usually, you uh, this disease kind of develops when people are still young. For most people with this condition, they get diagnosed before the age of 30. So I guess maybe that's why they put age there as a risk factor. I don't know about that. Does that mean that every young person is at risk for this disease? I don't think so. But anyway, age is there. Ethnicity. Now, this one is true. Um, this disease, I remember when I was going to school, um, when I was in school, because I've been out of school for a long time. That was in the 80s. This disease was not affecting as many people and uh, from different ethnic groups like it does now. For most part, it was white folk and mainly um, Ashkenazi Jews. You know, that, that's what we were taught in the 80s. But now you will find that white folk, they have the highest risk factor for this disease. People of uh, Eastern European descent, 
Ashkenazi Jews, and they are now beginning to see uh, black folk, especially those people who live in North America and the United Kingdom. Black folk never used to have this disease, but now they do. So, but there is uh, a link actually, but um, there's a reason why you would see something like that and why that, you know, ethnic link is increasing, why we are continually seeing black folk with this disease. But that is something I like to discuss when I do a deep dive into the disease, and I usually do that one-on-one. So, but anyway, they've also noticed that uh, people from the Mid-Eastern population the when they might uh, migrate when they migrate to United States, they are also beginning to see um, the dependence of those immigrants coming down with this disease. So, what in the world could be going on here? Could it be the diet? Nope, it's not the diet. <laughs> Even though this disease affects the the digestive tract. It's not the diet, because that's what most people would tend to think. Maybe it's the Western diet. Ah, no, it's not. So family history. Now, this one is true. Uh, Family history, if you have like a a relative, a parent, um, a sibling, or a relative who has this disease, uh, you are at an increased risk of coming down with this disease also. If there's a history of smoking cigarettes, this one, it is true. But usually when you see people um, smoke cigarettes, there's an underlying cause. And I always, uh, I always like to tell people, cigarette smoking is actually a symptom of something else. Something a little bit deeper than, um, yeah. I'll leave it at that. I can do a deep dive with that, uh, uh, with uh, with someone on that if they would like to know what is the underlying cause for cigarette smoking. But yeah, cigarette smoking is a risk factor for this disease, and because it kind of weakens your immune system, and uh, this disease, like we talked about, is in an inflammatory uh, bowel disease. Um, Another risk factor they mentioned was um, taking like anti-inflammatory medications, normally non-steroid anti-inflammatory medications. I don't know why anybody would take too much of ibuprofen or Aleve. Those are the kind of drugs that they say. So I don't know, unless they, they, they have another problem, maybe like rheumatoid arthritis, which is like a sister disease to this disease. You know, I I don't know why somebody will be taking so much medication to actually increase their risk of coming down with Crohn's disease. So anyway, uh, taking non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medications is listed as a risk factor. I don't know if that's true, but the textbook says that it is true. So some of those drugs will be like naproxen, Aleve, Dichrophenac, Advil, Motrin, and others. Now, complications of this disease. The complications are pretty severe, and they cause a lot of distress in the people that have like severe Crohn's disease. 
So the complications can be, they can be troubling. Um, one of the complications that they see with this disease is obstructive bowels due to the inflammation that comes and goes because you know sometimes they will go into remission and then they will have flare-ups it can leave scars and strictures and those kind of narrows the bowels and they can cause um bowel obstruction and when that happens most people end up in surgery so Ulcers is another uh, complication of this disease, like gastric ulcers. Um, open sores in the digestive tract will definitely put somebody at risk for ulcers. But the ulcers don't just happen in the digestive tract. They will happen in the mouth. They will happen in the genitals. They will happen around the rectum, uh, I guess just because of irritation. You know, if somebody keeps going to the bathroom, they're having diarrhea, uh, their skin is inflamed, you know, they can have ulcers. Um, another complication is fistulas. Fistulas is perforation of, um, you can have perforation allowed the rectal area where the skin is so inflamed uh, and tunnels are being made where stool can escape. But also, um, the other troubling fistula is that inside the digestive tract, they can develop like tunnels that um, kind of connect the digestive tract with other organs. Like um, you can have a fistula between the digestive, the colon and the vagina. So stool is actually going into the vagina and coming out. So that's why I was saying that it is a troubling disease. Um with men, even men have this disease. So they can also be having fistulas where, you know, uh, stool will go into their bladder. And you know, when that happens, because the bladder is a sterile area, or you, you develop infections. Um, you, they can also have fistulas where um, other, other organs are being connected, like, you know, um, the stool is coming out, instead of the stool coming out of the rectal area, it's coming through the skin and coming out. So it's very, very disturbing. So stool can go in the bladder, it can go in the vagina, or it can come out through the skin. And most of the time, uh, people will end up wearing diaper, a diaper, and their skin is also inflamed. So you can imagine how distressful that can be. Uh, the other complication that this disease causes is um, anal fissures. Anal fissures is when you have like small skin tears allowed the rectal area, the anus, and this is because of uh, irritation. Uh, this causes infection and pain and also pain with bowel movements. Um, malnutrition is another complication of this disease. So because of the diarrhea, the abdominal pain, the abdominal clumping, it makes it difficult for someone to eat and also to absorb the nutrients. So in such a case, uh, some people may have low iron. So iron deficiency can be caused because of malnutrition and also because of the inflammation, because the inflammation is kind of chronic. It comes and goes, but it's a chronic disease. Um, some other people may have vitamin D deficiency and B12 deficiency. 
Another complication of this disease is uh, colon cancer. And um, and actually, there there is a few other types of cancers that have been mentioned and linked to this disease, but colon cancer is one of them. So they recommend that people who have this disease to get colonoscopies a little earlier than the general population. So for most people, they start getting colon screening at the age of 50. But for somebody who has this disease, it is good to start their colon screening or colon cancer screening at age 40 or 45. Um, also, they recommend that once this disease is diagnosed at whatever age it is diagnosed, to get a colonoscopy eight years after the diagnosis and then to follow up one to two years afterwards. So, but you can talk to your doctor about that to see um, what the recommendations are for you because, you know, everybody's different. Some people have mild disease, some people have severe disease. Now, we are still talking about the complications of this disease because there are very many. Uh, skin disorders. Um, there is a tendency for people to have boils or abscess in their armpits, the groin, under the breast, the perianal area, the genital area, just skin disease out of the bruise, you know, um, boils. And they can be very painful. So that's another complication of this disease. Uh, the other health problems that... um related to this disease, like I said before, iron deficiency anemia. And with that comes all the complications of iron deficiency anemia, which can even affect the heart. But also because of the malnutrition that this disease causes and also the chronic inflammation, it can cause osteoporosis. This is where your bones are weak and they can fracture. It can cause arthritis. I had mentioned that a little while back. It can cause gallbladder disease and it can cause liver disease. Now, there is one, uh, a few more complications we're going to talk about. And um, the number nine complication of this disease is blood clots. Imagine that. Um, Clone's disease increases the risk of blood clots in the veins and in the arteries. And I was just wondering, um, why would a disease that affects the bowels also cause blood clots? But that's because of the chronic inflammation. You know, when people have chronic inflammation, which is um, it's affecting the whole body, they can have inflammation of the blood vessels also. And I guess with that, somebody can have... Um, blood clots or issues with blood clots because um, when the veins are inflamed, they kind of tend to trap um, cholesterol and also um, the clotting cascade is activated. That is the blood clotting is activated to come and heal uh, the inflamed blood vessels and that's how blood clots get, uh, come about. Now, the last complication of this disease we're going to talk about is the medication that we use to treat this disease. Because the medication, for most part, the medication are like to try and reduce the inflammation. And with that, because the immune system is affected, it kind of uh, hinders some of the things that the immune system does. Um, 
it can uh, affect the the white blood cells i i usually call them the heavy hitters those are the t cells and the b cells normally they are called lymphocytes and with that it can actually put people at risk for a different type of cancer that is lymphoma so this is the second besides colon cancer um, this disease can put people at risk for lymphoma, which is a blood cancer disease. Uh, skin cancers, it can put people at risk for skin cancers. And of course, I told you about the colon cancer. So those are three types of cancers that are connected to this disease. And the skin cancer and the lymphoma is connected to the medication we use because we are trying to modulate the inflammatory process. Um, the medication also, some of the other medications, um, like the newer ones, they are injectable. So, and they actually also try to manipulate the immune system. This way it can put people at risk for other infections like TB. It can put people at risk for severe COVID disease. Um, and the steroids which are normally used for this disease because you know steroids are anti-inflammatory so we found out at the beginning that um, non-steroid anti-inflammatory diseases uh, uh, drugs are not good for this disease so they cause problems but steroids can be used uh, steroids like prednisone can be used but you know prednisone comes with its own package of complication it causes osteoporosis all by itself. It causes bone fractures. It can cause cataracts in the eyes. It can increase the risk of glaucoma, which is another inflammation of the optic nerve, causing blindness. It can cause prednisone can cause type two diabetes. It can cause high blood pressure. I was actually surprised that. A drug can actually cause high blood pressure because, you know, high blood pressure does not come from the body per se. It comes from a different dimension because, you know, with high blood pressure, it is the pressure in the blood <laughs> that is high. So it's high tension. So and, and I wouldn't think that comes from the body per se. It comes from a different place. And I've actually made a podcast on high blood pressure. So if you want to listen to that, you can listen to it. I've also made one on type 2 diabetes. So you can listen to it. Now, I can, I can see how this um, prednisone would cause type 2 diabetes because um, it kind of messes up with the blood sugar in the blood. Um but high high blood pressure, I would think maybe just the stress of having to deal with this disease can actually cause high blood pressure, but I'm not sure. The textbook said that complication of the medications uh, can cause high blood pressure. Now, diagnosis of this disease. Your doctor will probably diagnose uh, Clone's disease only after ruling out other possible causes for your signs and symptoms. So there is no one test. There is no single test to diagnose this disease. Normally, they have to rule out other, other diseases before they decide that it's Clone's disease. So there is no one test 
to uh, that we can do um, to say that yes, you do have Crohn's disease. We have to do a process of elimination. So, but your doctor may do some blood work, and they can do a complete blood count. They are looking at um, uh, signs of anemia. They they might also look at uh, inflammatory markers. Uh, those are the ferritin level. Uh, ESR, CLP, those are all big names, but don't worry about it. As long as you remember inflammatory markers, you will be fine. Uh, they might, the doctor might also do a complete metabolic panel. They are looking at your liver function and your kidney function. They might also do um, a TB test um, to look for inactive infections maybe. Uh, they might also do, and this one I recommend, highly recommend, they might do antibody testing. So um, they are looking for immunity against infections because this disease, um, it, it is an atypical reaction of the immune system. So the immune system is not behaving properly. And so checking antibodies is a good idea. Um, they might also do, uh, I'm talking about diagnosis now, they might also do stool studies. They might look at um, your stool specimen uh, for occult blood or hidden bleeding. They might look at your stool specimen for microbes, um, such as um, infectious bacteria that could be causing uh, diarrhea or parasites. So they might do um, stool specimen and check for those things. They might also do a colonoscopy just to look at your entire colon and see what's going on. If they don't see anything with the colon, because they can't, they can't go any further than the the end of uh, the small intestine, that, that, that is called terminal ileum. So they can look at the whole colon through a colonoscopy, but they can't go any further than that. But they can look at the colon and see if the colon is affected. They can take biopsies of the colon and also look for clusters of inflammatory cells called granulomas. If they see that, that is very indicative or it suggests um, Crohn's disease. So that's one way they can say maybe this is Crohn's disease. Granulomas are usually benign tumors. It's almost like self-defense of the immune system because it tries to ward off bacteria. And it kind of um, puts a wall around, you know, infectious microbes. And it kind of looks like tumors. They are called granulomas. Normally, they are not cancerous. They are just benign um, pockets of infectious bacteria ward off. You know, I hope that's making sense. So um, the doctor might also do a CT scan of the abdomen just to see what's going on, if they can see any more information. And usually they will do it with contrast. They might also do an MRI. Um, the reason why they put contrast with uh, CAT scans and MRIs is so they can get a better picture. But now to look at your small intestine, they might need to 
do a little bit more like endoscopy so usually these days they have you swallow like a capsule capsule endoscopy uh the capsule has a, a camera in it and as it as the capsule goes through the, the digestive tract it takes pictures and it sets them to be downloaded so it's um it's pretty neat the way they do it uh, they can also do a balloon assisted enteroscopy. You know, your doctor will explain all this to you so you don't have to remember any of it. But, um, and uh, if you have any questions from me, you can. I'll, I'll, I'll give you my contact towards the end of the podcast. Now, treatment for this disease. And I need you to listen carefully because I have something to say about the treatment that is very, very important. Okay, so there is no cure for this disease. That is the sad news about that. There is no single treatment that works for everyone either. So no cure for this disease and no single treatment that works for everybody. You know, so the goal of the medical treatment is to reduce inflammation and also reduce um, things that can trigger or, or trigger flare-ups you know, and um, they like for people to to get treatment and to stay in remission. Uh, The second goal of treatment is to improve long-lasting prognosis by limiting complications. So all the complications I talked about, so that's another goal of treatment, to try and reduce that. So in the best cases, this may lead only to symptom relief, symptom control, and long-term remission. So those are the goals of treatment. So there is no cure. There is no cure for Crohn's disease, but the therapist can greatly reduce the signs and symptoms. And uh, even bring maybe long-term remission, but you still have to be on medication, and most of the time you will need to get checked often by the doctor. So with treatment, most people are able to function fairly well and have um, a fairly decent life living with Crohn's disease. Now, if they get corticosteroids, which is like prednisone, which is an anti-inflammatory drug, it will reduce inflammation, but it doesn't work for everybody. So some people have a really difficult time taking this drug. So in such a case, the doctor may switch you to a different medication, like an immune suppressant. One of the ones that I know they they use is Imulan. It's, It's like an old immune suppressant treatment. It is used for other inflammatory diseases. And some people can tolerate that just fairly well. But with the immune suppressants, they reduce your immune system, the function of the immune system. And they can also increase inflammation of the liver because, you know, all drugs have to be detoxed in the liver. So follow-up with with the doctor is very, very important uh, because these drugs, they, they need to be monitored. Um, another drug that they can give you is methotrexate. 
Methotrexate is, is a disease-modifying drug and is used for Crohn's disease, but it also has a lot of side effects. Now, the new drugs that they're using now, the biologics, the monoclonal antibodies like Antivia, Humira, uh, Starella, Skylisi, all those. So they are immune uh, modulators, monoclonal antibodies. They are very, very expensive. Some of them are injectable and others are infusions. So as you can imagine, if somebody has to be on these kind of drugs long term, um, they need a good insurance. And the other thing is they also need to be followed up very, very closely by the immunologist to make sure that they are not having side effects and to make sure that they are not coming um, down with infectious diseases like TB or stuff like that. Um, antibodies, antibiotics can also be used. Uh, Cipro, Fragile, uh, Metronidazole, I think it's the same as Fragile. And that is used to heal infections. If somebody has an abscess or a fistula or, you know, infection because of the skin inflammation, um, they can be treated with antibiotics. Other drugs that they use uh, for symptom control is anti-diarrhea medicine. Uh, they might use uh, Imodium to pre uh, reduce diarrhea or prevent it. They might also give fiber supplements like metamuso just to help out, you know, slow down the roots bowels. Um, some of these drugs can be harmful and especially you don't want to give somebody who has uh, strictures uh, fiber drugs because so, it can cause obstructions. And um, also if they have infections of the bowel, you don't want to give them fiber because it just complicates things so always check with your doctor because some of these are like metamuso and imodium are available over the counter so somebody might just decide to go get themselves some and take without checking with the doctor so always check with the doctor uh, for pain relief for mild pain Tylenol is a good drug to use because it's not like ibuprofen a leaf Advil, because those ones, we usually call them NSAIDs. NSAID stands for non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. So they kind of aggravate the disease. So don't use that. Um, some people may also need to supplement with vitamins, with iron. Always take iron with the doctor's supervision and at the recommendation of the doctor. Never take iron if you don't need to. And because it can cause complications also. So B12, always, even though they are vitamins, take, always seek your doctor's advice before you take these supplements. Um, nutritional therapy, special diets, low fiber diet. Now, remember, some doctors may put you on a high fiber diet, but if you have strictures and uh, you are at risk for bowel obstruction, they will put you on a low fiber diet. So, I mean... 
we we just have to that's why you have to be monitored closely by the doctor if you have this disease because you just never know um different things are needed for different people so now if somebody has strictures or obstruction normally they end up uh, in surgery surgery is usually reserved as as the last resort um Almost 50% of people who have this disease will require at least one surgery in their lifetime because they, they, it just happens that either if they have strictures and they have bowel obstruction, then they will need to go into surgery to have that expired or the strictures removed. Um, if they are not responding to medication very well, the doctor may go in and remove the diseased part. So the strictures, the obstruction, the fistulas, um, fistula repair, drainage of the abscess, all that needs surgical intervention. But now if, they are, if people are not responding very well to medication, a part of their bowel may be removed. But the sad thing is, just because somebody has surgery, that does not cure this disease. And it usually just gives people temporarily or short-term relief. So that's the sad part. So a, a, a part of their bowel can be cut off and then the rest of it uh, reconnected and attached. Um, but it's not a cure. So that's pretty, pretty sad in itself. So diet. Some some people or some doctors will recommend that you talk to a dietitian, especially if you're not eating enough food, uh, if your diet is restricted, because some foods can aggravate Crohn's disease. So this this disease is not caused by diet. It is, but you know, it is not caused by food. But certain types of foods can aggravate the disease. Uh, for instance. Uh, data products, they, they kind of cause problems. Abdominal pain, um, diarrhea, uh, gas, uh, lactose intolerance. So it will be helpful for somebody who is uh, intolerant to data products to avoid them. But, you know, that's a whole different topic you know where you avoid food but the food is not causing the the disease to me and this is why i do this i would rather do a root cause analysis get to the root of this disease and get rid of it um some people may take lactate lactate is an enzyme that can help them digest dairy products, and that will relieve some of the symptoms you see with uh, dietary products. Uh, some doctors will tell you to eat um, small meals frequently instead of eating two or three large meals a day, which can help. Uh, some doctors will tell you to take plenty of liquids, which is good. Uh, water is always best. Uh, consider a multivitamin. That can be helpful. Uh, consider talking to a dietitian. I think that can be helpful, especially if somebody is losing weight or if their diet is too limited. A dietitian can help you add some more foods to the diet. Now, if your body cannot digest milk uh, or dairy products, 
avoiding that for a little while is okay. Um, and this is where I like to tell people, please get in touch with me <laughs> so we can do a root cause analysis and get rid of this um, disease. But we'll talk about that in just a minute. Um, the doctor may also encourage you to avoid alcoholic beverages because they tend to stimulate the bow the bowels. If you drink like just a little bit of alcohol, it can stimulate the bowels. If you drink too much, alcohol is a de- depressant. It can cause constipation. Caffeine can stimulate your intestine and cause diarrhea. Carbonated drinks can cause gas. So. Those are some of the things that diet-wise you can avoid to control some of the symptoms. Now, avoid lifestyle changes, avoiding smoking. That I think that that would be good because uh, smoking cigarettes is one of the risk factors uh, for this disease. I don't think um, smoking cigarettes is really the cause of Crohn's disease, but it does lower your uh, resistance to disease and it's also it's an underlying um there's an underlying cause for smoking cigarette and i think the underlying cause is really connected to clone's disease you know the root cause so people who smoke usually tend to have relapses and free free relapse very very often they also tend to have repeated surgeries and they also need more medication. So it is good to stop smoking. So quit smoking and Im- improve your overall health. But like I say, just telling people to quit smoking, unless you're really, really motivated, um, there is a root cause for smoking, and that needs to be addressed. Um, and usually when I do a deep dive for this disease, um, I address that because uh, cigarette smoking and clones disease have the same mother, if, if so to speak. Um, the doctor might also tell you to avoid stress because stress does cause clones disease. But uh, no, I did not say that. Stress does not cause clones disease, but it does make symptoms worse. So uh, you may get more triggers and flare-ups. I think stress kind of aggravates everything. And it's usually, it's not possible to always avoid stress because everybody experiences stress. But how you manage it is very, very important. So lifestyle changes uh, to reduce stress can be helpful. And I have done a podcast on stress and I would encourage you to go listen to it because most people don't know what stress is and they need to know because stress is not something you can touch with your hands. It's a feeling. It's an emotion. And it is actually somehow connected to the cigarette smoking and it's also connected to the root of Crohn's disease, but it doesn't cause. Stress by itself does not cause Crohn's disease. Um, so alternative therapies, as, as a few of them have been suggested, like CBT, talk therapy. Uh, I think that would be important for stress management, you know, just to know how to cope with stress a little bit better. And also exercise, 
other than apart from that i would not recommend anything else they have talked about and i'm not even gonna mention it here because i really don't want you getting into that some of it can be um it can put you in more trouble than you already are so now let's talk about what causes clones disease i have talked for more than 43 minutes just to tell you this part this is the part that i'm usually excited about when i address the root cause of disease um according to the um research that i have done and according to medical science um they really do not know what causes clones disease so how about that all the research i did i came up with that they do not know the exact cause of Crohn's disease remains unknown. But I, I know what it is. And that's why I'm excited. That's why I wanted to make this podcast, just to tell you that. But of course, I'm not going to tell you that right now. I need... That is what I do at um, Toto Health University. I do a deep dive into why we get sick and what prevents healing. But now, according to medical science, they suspect a few things. They know the immune system is involved. So the immune system is misbehaving. Most doctors and scientists will tell you that the immune system is making a mistake because there is an atypical immune response going on. Um, the immune system seems to be acting up. It seems to be fighting a virus. But when they look for that virus, they cannot find it. So scientists have thought that maybe there is a possible virus, maybe a bacteria that causes triggers um, or may trigger Crohn's disease. However, as of yet, they are yet to identify such a virus. So there is no virus. But actually, it is there. It's just invisible. But, you know, that is something we'll save for Toto University when we do a deep dive. Now, scientists also came up with uh, another cause, which I think is uh, correct. It's, um, this disease is inherited. So there is a genetic component to this disease. So the immune system is misbehaving. Most doctors will say that it's making a mistake, but actually it's not. The immune system never makes a mistake, by the way. I know that's something with um, autoimmune diseases and with a disease like this where there is no virus, but the immune system seems to be fighting something. Uh, most of the time you hear that the immune system is making a mistake. So the immune system does not make mistakes. Um, usually there is something. It is sensing something. It's, on, it's only that that something is not apparent. So it's invisible. Uh, now with that, and the genetic component of this disease, I will stop at that. And I'll let you get in touch with me so we can talk about you and why you're sick and what's preventing you from healing. So like I said, according to medical science, the exact cause of Crohn's disease remains unknown. Um... Previously, they had thought that maybe diet and stress causes it. But like we said, or like I said before, 
uh, diet can aggravate the symptoms, stress can aggravate the symptoms, but it does not cause this disease. So everything we have looked at so far does not cause this disease. It just aggravates. It just aggravates the symptoms. But you know something? Everything has a cause. You cannot have a disease like this the coming from nowhere for no reason. There is a cause. And that is the part I would like to discuss with you. Do a deep dive into why you're sick and what's preventing your healing. Um, the way I do it, I usually do it in five parts to make sure that people or whoever I'm, I'm working with understands what's going on. I usually do it in five segments. So the first segment, we already covered that. You know, we've talked about what the disease is, the signs and symptoms, the complications, the risk factors, the treatment, the diagnosis. So the first part is done. Now, the second part will be discovery. You know, if you take someone to court, usually they do a case discovery. So I like to do that with people. I need to hear your side of the story. I need to see to find out if you have family members who are affected by this disease, I want to know um, other diseases that are affecting your family members. I need to know about whether you have smoked in the past, whether you are still smoking. Uh, I also need to know how old you are when you first got diagnosed. So all those details. So that's where we do a discovery of your disease. Then from there, then we'll talk about the other three parts, you know, and then we'll get to the plan. The fifth part will be the plan. So to uh, get you started on the journey to healing. So I hope I have said something that can benefit you. I hope I have said something that can help you and I will stop at that, but I'll let you know how to get in touch with me. Um, I do have an email, but I only check my email like once a week. So feel free to email me at totalhealthglobal1962 at gmail.com. That is totalhealthglobal1962 at gmail.com. My other email is alicemonia at hotmail.com. That is an old email. And my first name is A-L-I-C-E. My last name is M-U-N-Y-U-A at hotmail.com. So I check my emails once a week, but feel free to email me and maybe I will see it next week when I check in. Now, the, the best way to get a hold of me is through Facebook. I check my Facebook account several times a day. And if you inbox me, I will surely be able to see your message and we can connect like that. Now, if you're listening to this podcast on WhatsApp, you probably already have my number. So feel free to inbox me and I will get back to you as soon as I can. And with that, I am done.